1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. In the last section, the 19th section, we were looking at the psalmist crying and the Savior's caring as he was dealing with these uh, perpetrators and afflictors and the affliction he was going through now in this section he continues on dealing with the same subject but on a little bit different light and in this 20th section in this 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet in our acrostic psalm of the Word of God I've titled this afflicted but not affected and that is a good thing and I want you to realize that the psalmist could not make that statement had it not been for his desire love And enrapturedness of the Word of God. It was the Word of God, the statutes, the judgments, the testimonies, the things, the path that he was on, those things that kept him constantly calling out to the Lord, teach me. I want understanding. Revive me. Quicken me. I want to be in the Word of God. I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to be out of the will of God, and I need to know what it is that you want from me. So we're going to look at this into two sections in verses 153 to 157 he says consider my affliction and then in verses 159 to 160 consider my affection you will see the word consider uh, there in verse 153 and the word consider in verse 159 let's start out with the first part consider my affliction and that's the very first statement that is in verse 153 when he says consider he is saying, look at this. Look at where I'm at. See with the eyes. Take a look. See the pain I'm in. See mine affliction. Look at what's going through. And the word affliction is a very strong word that has to do with a being just miserable in a state of being oppressed and constantly discomforted, constantly being bombarded, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, it just doesn't matter. It's a constant bombardment over and over and over, and it doesn't go away. They're relentless, and they keep on going and going and going, and you wonder, are they ever going to stop? Are they ever going to let me go? And they're not. That's not what they're dealing with. They, They don't want that, and a lot of the times, we don't realize that People hate the word of God and the God of the word because the devil is angry. You know, this is the devil stirring things up. And he's got his demons out there. And then he's got people who are following what he is perpetrating. There is no God and we need to get these Christians to stop. And so he's got a whole army, not just of demons, but of people on the planet, human beings that are evil, wicked, mischievous, that hate God and hate everything about God but are willing to do the plan of God. So he said, consider mine affliction. Look at the pain, the hurt, the anguish, the agony that I'm in. And he said, "Uh, look at where I'm going through. And by the way, you need to remind yourself that when you're getting into that kind of situation, you're suffering uh, constantly, whatever it might be, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. There are some things that, that get to you. And they wound, like the Bible says that the words of a talebearer as wounds. They go really deep into the belly. There's a wound that comes in and a wound that never heals because it keeps getting ripped open is always in a state of pain. It never gets to a place where it completely heals itself because somebody's always ripping it back open and you can't get it to close up. And then that gets on you because you can't get that to work out and you become weary. The Bible says be careful not to become weary in well-doing because in due season you will reap if you uh, you, you faint not. And I believe that's why he says over and over and over and over again throughout this entire psalm, quicken me, quicken me, make me alive. I do not want to stay in the pit. I do not want to come down into the pit of despair, despondency, depression, discouragement, I do not want to live in a world of anger or uh, take this affliction and make it cause me to go under that while the pain of these things hurt, they should humble us under the hand of the mighty God that he may be able to exalt us in due season. Very important that we understand that though we're being afflicted, we need to put ourselves under God. Remember, the devil came and actually uh, tempted our Lord and our Lord took care of every single one of those With scripture. He combated it with, Thus saith the Lord, this is the word of God. He said, I want you to consider my affliction. In verse 153, consider the pains of what I'm going through. But he said, Look, though I'm asking you to do this, I'm also saying, Please deliver me. I want you to do something for me. Consider my affliction and get me out of it. Deliver me. Get me out of this mess. Take them away. And again, it's in the imperative. Look on my affliction and set me free. Take this away. And I want to keep on keeping on for you. Deliver me out of their hands. And by the way, I believe the Lord allows certain things, but he only allows so much. The afflictor can only go so far. And then that trial, that temptation, what that person is trying to get you to do, he will put them away. And he will not allow that to go any further. And we can cry out for the Lord's timing and deliverance to bring us out of the things that we're going through. Sometimes a church, you know, has been told by God to do something, to pastor and then leading and everything's cool and then things go wrong and it looks like it's not gonna happen and we begin to question and panic and go and then God pulls it out at 11.59.59 in a miraculous way that he gets all the honor, the glory and the credit and we realize that uh, we shouldn't lose our faith as long as we know that we are in God. So we see the pains that he's going through in 153. But in verse number 153 and 154, we see the plea. I want you to look at his plea. And this is an interesting plea. First of all, in 153, deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. I never forget what you said is truth, what you said is law, what I'm supposed to do. So deliver me. Then he says, plead, verse 154, plead my cause. Okay, look at what's going on and and plead my cause. What he's asking him to do is to become involved in his life and say, look, contend, dispute with these people, Uh, plead my cause before them, show them why I'm right and they're wrong. And I want you to plead my cause, fight for me. Okay, that's what I want you to do, fight for me. I want you to deliver me. I'm yours, you've redeemed me, fight for me and save me, deliver me. Pull me out of this mess. So he said, deliver me twice. Quicken me, verse 154 says, according to thy word. Make me alive just like you said in your word. I want to be alive. So I need you to plead and and I need you to deliver and I need you to quicken and I need this in my life because I do not want to go down the wrong road. I do not want affliction to get hold of me. I do not want the pain and the hurt and the agony to cause me to throw the towel in on you. So I'm begging for this. So when he says do this, it's all of these are commands. And when he says plead my cause, it is a command form. And when he says deliver me, but when he says quicken me, he not only has the command form, but he kicks it up in that high intense. He's constant I mean, this is what I want. If there's anything we'll get out of the entire 22 sections is, The psalmist wanted to be alive, to be revived and refreshed in the Lord constantly. He never wanted to be dead. He never wanted his life to be that which would be of a dead faith. We talk about that any times when we talk about the book of James the book of James talks about faith, and and some people think that what James is doing is that he is saying that, you know, you have to uh, work in order to be saved, but that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is that your dynamic faith that you have should change the way that you are. You should not be saying you're saved and have the faith of God and have nothing to show for it. Something's wrong. So he said in James 2, What doth it profit, my brethren, do a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Did the faith really get hold of you? Really? If it didn't change your life to put your faith into action? And then he goes on and says, If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are evil for the body, what does it profit? What did it do for? Him? If you just look and say, Oh, God bless you, have a good day, be warm and filled, you don't have anything to eat, oh, well, bless you, you know, you, you got saved. If it changed your life, then you should be like the Lord who sought you. You want to seek people that you can help bring the gospel to and minister to them like He ministered to people's physical needs to bring them to their spiritual need. And we always minister to people's physical needs to bring them to their spiritual need as well. He said, even so, faith that it hath not works is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I'll show you my faith by my works. He didn't say, I got saved by my works. He said, I'll prove I got saved by the fact that I'm working. He said, thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Here's the thing. He said, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? It's not, it's not a live faith. You either have a dynamic faith that's alive in the Lord, or you have a dead faith. It has nothing. And there's even a demonic faith that does not win them to Christ because they have a knowledge. They believe, they know, but they do not know in a personal sense where the Lord can save them because they rebelled and were kicked out of heaven. We must understand that the psalmist wanted to be revived and quickened so that his faith would continue to shine. And then in saying that, what he did is he then turns from the plea to the persecutors. And I find this interesting is the first thing he deals with is the fact that salvation is far from them. They, they don't, they just, it's, they're so far they have no chance to be redeemed or, or saved or delivered. They're so far away. And that bothered him. He said, because they seek not thy statutes. They're not looking. They're not interested. They're not even trying. They want nothing to do. They do not seek. In fact, it's it's written in the perfect tense, meaning they're not even trying. They're completely avoiding it. They have absolutely no hunger or thirst to go after the things of God. Zero, nada, none. They want nothing to do with God whatsoever salvation is far from the wicked you know why god doesn't force anybody to get saved he doesn't make people give saved you know why because he made a man to give him what he could not give himself and that is that there would be praise and worship that came from a pure heart if it's a programmed response then it's a not a pure heart if in a marriage you're programmed to love one another then it's because you're programmed that way and not because you willingly, voluntarily, and lovingly want them and choose them. It's your commitment. It's your choice. And when you love the Lord, then... You love him because you choose to. When you live for him, you choose to. And it comes out of your heart. And God loves that. So he did not make us robots. He gave us a free will. And he said, if you willingly choose me, I have got a lot of wonderful things for you. Starting with salvation and all the wonderful things that salvation brings. But he said, that's so far from the wicked. That should tear us up. That'll just get us out of the frame. More than anything else that happens in this world. It's the fact that there are lost people who are so far away from God and have absolutely no desire that, like in the book of Romans, God gave them up, God gave them up, and then the horrible words, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He said, they just don't look for you. They don't look for your word. They don't look at what you're saying. They're far, far from it. They have absolutely nothing that they want to do now watch this because he said uh in the middle of that before he goes on with his persecutors he said great are thy tender mercies O lord quicken me according to thy judgments he said listen your compassion your wonderful mercies your kindness it is so great he looked at the wicked and he saw what they were doing and how far away they were, and he just had to come back and throw in, <laughs> but oh, thank God, thank God, Greater, Your tender mercies, <laughs> You, You took care of me, You got me and make me alive again according to Thy judgments. I mean, bring me back into You, let me stay loving You, compassionate about You, caring for You, into You. What You did, I did not run from Your salvation. I did not turn away from your statutes. I heeded the word of God. You're so great. Oh, your mercy is wonderful. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Quicken me. Make me alive in you. Don't let me die out. Don't let me die off. Don't let me be anything but on fire for you. Alive, totally refreshed and revived. I need it. Give it to me. Wow, what about that? That little blurb in there uh, when he's talking about his persecutors. See, he taught, the first thing that He said about his persecutors is they have a need, but they are so far from that need. They need the Lord. You know, when I look at the wickedness of the world, I know what the need of the hour for them is to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That would change everything about their life. Everything would be different. There's their need. And oh, because God saved me, it causes me once again to say, thank you, Lord. But then there was their numbers verse number 157 many are the persecutors and mine enemies there are many they are persecuting they are chasing and pursuing to uh, hurt me it has the idea of chasing after in a hostile manner they are coming after me and there is a whole bunch of them hmm and mine enemies they're not only my persecutors but they're mine enemies they are the foe they are against everything and it has to do with that they are completely tightened together and they do not want you to have anything but to be tight into their grip because they are enemies of the things of god many are the perse- persecutors hey listen There's a lot of people out there, and they are trying to do the things that they do. I remember the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I like the end of it. You know what it says? But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Aren't you glad for that? There are many, but thank the Lord, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. The Lord delivers us from them all. There's a lot of numbers There's a lot of people, but there's still a strong God, and you and the Lord make a majority. You and the Lord make a majority. If you are on God's side, if you're doing what God wants, and you're in God's will, you are on the right side. You're gonna be okay. He said not only about this, But uh, he said, I also noticed something else. I noticed their nearness. I beheld. I could see them. I beheld. I looked right on the transgressors. They were right there. The ones that are transgressing your law, the ones that are sinning, the ones who are unfaithful and betraying. He said, I I saw them. There they were. And he said, when I saw them, he said, you know what? I was grieved. It means to have a despising, uh, an abhorrence to have a feeling of revulsion it it just he said I looked at him and it just got to me that they are so against you Lord and it grieved me because they kept not thy word they had nothing to do they did not observe it they didn't guard it they didn't heed it they didn't live it they didn't love it they didn't learn it and they didn't want anything to do with it They totally and completely had nothing to do with it. He said they were near. They were right there, and they were very close by. There were many, in verse 157, because they were near. I could see them, and I beheld them, and there they were. May I remind you that evil will always be around us. There will always be those who think that we should throw in the towel and tell God that he's obsolete and old-fashioned and it's, it started right at the beginning of the first church. If you go back to the beginning of the church and all this Peter preaches, five uh, three thousand are saved. Later on five thousand are saved and the rulers and the scribes and all them, you know, they, they're getting upset what they're seeing. And when you get to the end of chapter number three, Peter preaches this great message and he says, You denied the holy one, the just, you desired a murderer to be granted unto you and You know, uh, he just goes through and just really lays it on them and says, ye are the children of the prophets and the covenant which God made with our father, singing to Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto you first, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. He said, he sent him to you, and uh, verse 20 talks about, in chapter 3, he shall send Jesus, which he preached unto you, and then all of a sudden, you get to chapter 4, verse 1, that's the uh, book of Acts. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved, here he, there it is, that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on him and put him in the hold until the next day, for it was eventide, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it comes to pass in the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked by what power or by what name they'd done this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost unto them, ye rulers of the people and children of Israel. And bam, he lets into them again and tells them all about Jesus. And man, that was something. And he ends that little discourse saying, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now watch to the council. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing there, you know, they couldn't say anything about it because he was standing right there. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. They decided to tell them, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot in this name do this. But Peter and John answered and said to them, "Whether we'll it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have heard. Sorry, that's not what's going to happen. Because that's not what we're about. We're going to keep on preaching so that the lost people can be saved. And you that are very wicked, you're going to wish that you had listened one day. You're going to wish that you had said I want to choose Christ so we see the persecutors and we see their need their numbers and their nearness he said consider mine affliction but then I want you to notice he was being knocked around but he wasn't knocked out yeah he was afflicted but he was not affected because in verse 159 and 156 with all of his pleading to be revived and to be delivered because he wants God he says, Lord, consider my affliction. Now consider my affection. Boy, I like this. Consider my affection. I'm, consider what I'm going through and help me to be delivered from it. But consider also my affection. Look at it says, verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Consider my incredible love and joy of your incredible Precepts, your principles. In the book of Proverbs, we look at the word of God and it's personified as wisdom. The word of God is personified as a lady and sometimes wisdom of the word. And so you'll see a lot of forsake her nots and things. Proverbs chapter four, forsake her not, she shall preserve thee, love her, she shall keep thee. And uh, if you look at Proverbs 21, 40, uh, I think it's chapter 21, verse 17, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich those where do you put your love where your affection is where your heart is your treasure is? where your treasure is your heart is where are you putting what you uh love where are you doing here's the thing he said look i want you lord to consider how much i love the principles of your word of god quicken me make me alive I I want to be alive. Would you look at how much I love your precepts? Make me alive in it. Do it. Make it happen. Because I absolutely, and it's in the perfect tense. I absolutely, perfectly, completely love it. I love your precepts. Give me that. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Listen, I love the Lord because he first loved me. And I could not have loved him had he not have loved me first. But now... I want to show him that I love him because I love his words. And that's why Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15:16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name. I'm glad that every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Proverbs 30 and verse Five. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Second Peter one nine. And of course, our verse that we've recorded quite a bit. Is that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. He said, oh, consider how much I love thy precepts and quicken me. He said, I have a devotion Consider my affection. I have a devotion to your word because of your loving kindness. The two go together your love and my love for you, that devotion. But then also, as you consider my affection, not only look at my devotion, but look at my discernment. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The first thing, thy word is true. It's truth, it's assurance, it's verity. It's absolutely trustworthy. I have discerned and I know that's why I'm so adamant that I'm not going to transgress. That's why I'm so adamant that I want to be quickened because I know thy word is true. I know everything you said is absolute truth. It is absolute trustworthy. It is absolute assurance. And it's from the beginning. Thy word is true from the beginning. It has always been true. From the first time you let it get pinned down, from the first time it got spoken out to mankind, from the first time you walked with Adam in the cool of the day and spoke to him, your word is true, and it's true from the very beginning. And he said, not only that, every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Your righteousness, your rightness, that you judge what you have said that is judgment and is true and is going to come to pass because your judgments are absolutely truth. You have all that you need, and those judgments will supersede all of man's They will endure forever. I have devotion, and I have discernment. Lord, I've been afflicted, but I've not been affected. Father, help us to not be affected by the affliction of this day, but to have the affection, the devotion, and the discernment that we need to say, cry out, Lord, quicken me and make me alive in you with an intensity to live for you like we've never wanted to live for you before. And we'll thank you for it in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful, awesome week.
0: Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through.
1: You have been listening to the teaching timeless truths the radio broadcast with pastor roger walton you can send all correspondence to ttt at gmail.com tune in again next week for another timeless truth